0: Hey, welcome to the Give Me Liberty podcast. We're back from just a summer break. I hope you missed us. We certainly missed you. And today I have a special guest, Robert J. Morgan, Pastor Robert Morgan, who has authored numerous books, many, many books, two that I want to talk about today. I'm really excited. One of those is on the end times. He's going to explain that to you. The other one is on how the Word of God shaped the founding of our country, America. It's so important that as we walk through many of these topics, cultural topics, political topics, uh, things that are really impacting the family, uh, when you think about mom, dad, uh, son and daughter, um, what, what's really going on in our country? What's going on in America? This is insane. Things are going at breakneck speed. It's out of control. But guess what? There's hope. And we have to turn to the Word of God. And we need to find our times, not only present realities, but future realities, and also the past by the Word of God. That's what it's for. So, real quick, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, training, and righteousness, so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, we're going to be talking about that today on the Give Me Liberty podcast with Robert J. Morgan, starting now. Welcome back to the Give Me Liberty podcast, and I am joined by a friend of mine that I met a few months ago. Actually, funny enough, in New York City, uh, just there in the uh, the green room of the Eric Metaxas show, and it's Pastor Robert J. Morgan, sir. Welcome. It's great to see you. I'm so glad that you took the time to join us today.
1: Well, thank you, Ryan. I remember that day very well, and you know, one of the things I remember most is how. You and I clicked together and, and just uh, felt like we'd been friends for a long time.
0: Yes, sir. I, I enjoyed hearing you talk about how the Bible not only has shaped your understanding of the future. You have a book out now, um, the, the 50 Final uh, Events of the World, but it's according to the Scriptures. And then, um, but you also have a book, and, and, and we, we talked about this in our conversation. This is what I wanted to have you on today to talk to our audience, but also about the words, this, the, the critical verses of the Bible that helped to shape the nation. It's really the words that shaped us as a country.
1: Yes, these are my two uh, most recent books from W. Publishing at HarperCollins. Uh, one is 100 Bible Verses That Made America. And that's a biblical tour of American history. The Bible has had a profound influence. In fact, there would not be a United States of America without the teachings of the Bible. Uh, I can demonstrate that historically. And the other book is called The 50 Final Events in World History. And it just came out this year. And that's a study of the book of Revelation because we can't live in the past. We have to be aware of our roots. But we've got to be looking forward, and the book of Revelation is called Revelation, not confusion or obscurity. It's a book that God wants us to understand, and all of the other 65 books of the Bible lead to Revelation. So, so those are, are two books that are like two sides of the same coin of biblical truth.
0: Okay, so you, you survey the culture, right? We, we see clearly what's happening all around us. You know, Jesus often uh, would refer to this like when you see a storm that's gathering around, along on the horizon right we see certain yeah. signs of the times and we don't necessarily need to w- read the you know weather radar if you will I mean you can see it all around it's 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 palpable it's 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 noticeable all of our empirical senses are working yeah. uh, if anything the media is saying don't trust your eyes don't trust your ears don't believe anything that, that you're seeing, it's not as bad. It's mostly peaceful. It's mostly a, a summer of love, if you will. Um, but when you look to the Word of God and uh, you're identifying certain things, not only in Revelation, but probably the book of Daniel, uh, probably mm-hmm. the, the, the the Gospels as well, um, even John says indeed, uh, brothers, these are the last times. Eschatology is the study of the last things. Yeah. Um, we, we've been living in the last times for roughly 2,000 years, but what is happening right now? I, I wanted you to identify for us that we need to be aware of uh, that's particular to the scriptures.
1: Yes, yeah, so we cannot set dates. You know, Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour. I can't tell you that Jesus is coming again in 2022 or 2024, or 2026. I just cannot, will not do that. But we can understand something about the signs of the times and the nature of the age. And Ryan, we are living in the first, uh, this is the first time in history in which the human race is threatened with global extinctions by so many existential threats all at the same time. This has never been true before, But, um, but solar flares uh, if they occurred the way that we saw them in the 1800s, could shut down the internet grid around the world and send us back to the uh, to the dark ages. Uh, some person breaking a test tube in China in a lab uh, could unleash a pandemic far worse than what we've seen. A crazy man in Moscow punching a button could send us into nuclear apocalypse. Uh, Iran is on the verge of getting. uh, an atomic weapon, a nuclear weapon, and they're threatening to destroy Israel. Israel will defend itself at all costs. Pakistan has nuclear weapons. Russia is coming down towards Israel and to Ukraine uh, in a a series of events that very much sounds like the Battle of Gog and Magog and Ezekiel. China is saber-rattling and doing far more destruction uh, to the integrity of the United States than we know. And then scientists are— worried about supervolcanoes and all kinds of natural phenomena. I mean, Mm. when when you Google the end of the world, it isn't Christians who are talking about this. It is scientists and statesmen Mm. who are worried about this. So one catastrophe could set into motion a series of events that would take us right into the book of Revelation. We've never lived in a time like this before.
0: So when, when we look at, and I, I think this is great that you've you actually kind of went around the world and you explain what these different things are. Um, you know, there have been moments, and I will point out, you know, a thousand years ago, uh, well, roughly around the time, actually 500, 600 years ago, there was the Black Plague, right? It took place mm-hmm. in a certain part of the world. Um, you, we've, we've seen economic calamity and collapse uh, before. Uh, different, not and I don't wanna say same, but similar, like you've seen these different things. We also saw, for example, the, the rise of Mussolini and Hitler and all of those things, and now we have new international cables, if you will, uh, World Economic Forum, um, China CCP, and, and whatever new caliphate is trying to rise in the Middle East, you know. Um, what are some things I would, you know, as a pastor, that even in the midst of that, I think in, for Christians in particular, to give them hope that Revelation, I don't just see it, for me, when I read Revelation 21, I'm looking forward to, indeed, to Christ's return, because ultimately he's going to set all things to rights and the establishment of the final rule and reign, the kingdom of God, um, unencumbered, unhindered by the world, every enemy subdued, every tear wiped away from their eyes, all of those things. What gives you hope as you look towards the future, even in the midst of the great uh, trials and tribulations that we're going to experience?
1: Well, you're writing saying that all of these things have happened before in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said they would. Uh, this is the cycle of history. What's different today is it is globalized, and it's more intense than it ever has been and more dangerous than it ever has been. But that's why I love studying the book of Revelation. People say to me, isn't the Revelation full of sinister images and and isn't it foreboding and frightening and and apocalyptic and uh, uh, and dark? And I say, not the one in my Bible. Uh, The book of Revelation is 22 chapters that are full of Jesus. We see him in Revelation as we see him nowhere else. His portrait in the Bible is finished. In the book of Revelation we see him as king of kings and lord of lords reigning on the throne. The book of Revelation is full of hope. The book of Revelation is full of justice finally coming to deal with evil in this world in an ultimate final permanent way. You know we say how is there such a presence of evil in the world? How can we deal with it? Well, in the book of Revelation, this evil is being dealt with. The book of Revelation is full of angels. The book of Revelation is full of hymns. Apart from the book of Psalms, I mean, there's no hymn book in the Bible greater than the hymns and the songs that are bringing out from heaven. The book of Revelation is full of worship and the book of Revelation is full of hope and full of heaven. It ends chapters 21 and 22, as you mentioned, are the greatest description of eternal life and our eternal destination that we have in the Bible. It's like a travel guide. And my wife is in the holy city of New Jerusalem. And so I think about that very frequently. So if there was every generation that needed to understand the book of Revelation, it's now and in the 50 final events in world history, I think that I can show the simplicity of how this book is laid out so that people can understand it.
0: Yeah, I. as so well said. I, I. By the way, you know, I. I think of the ones that I. That we've lost. Uh, I, my. My mother last year to cancer, and um, that. That's what gives me great hope mm-hmm. and joy. And in that. In that final. Um, final moment in history, in which it all has culminated, lo, the lion and the lamb, and 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 uh, the the city that. Uh, is now laid down, that's the New Jerusalem, the foundation being God Himself, and, and uh, He's the one who lights the city. Uh, but the idea that, and the understanding that there is a, there's a new heavens and a new earth, there is a new resurrected body, mm-hmm. uh, and so the finality is not this sort of ethereal, uh, we're not going to be angel dust with angel wings, but we're going to actually be flesh and blood, you know, uh, united with Christ, uh, fully known. And, uh, and know Him fully. Uh, to explain that though to somebody who is hurting right now, um, you know, who is lost right now, who is looking around this world and saying, Pastor, is there really any hope? Because um, all I see is despair. I see the suicide rates higher than ever before, people disconnected more to lonely than they have ever been before. Um, as much as we're connected through digital, just as we are communicating right now, all these platforms mm-hmm. that are so interconnected, the world is so connected uh, more than ever before, so much more information than we've ever had before, uh, and yet people are living very lonely lives. They don't even know their own identity. Uh, made in the image of God, yes, but no. also male and female. How do you give them hope, uh, showing them these, these things as well?
1: Well, you let them see the hope that is within you. That's what Peter said. Uh, Be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope within you. I just turned 70 a couple of months ago and my three daughters threw me a birthday party. It's the first birthday party I've had since I was a child. But I have never been more optimistic, more encouraged, more hopeful than I am right now. Uh, The Bible, I spend time every day in God's Word, it's alive to me. I wake up in the morning, I can hardly wait to see what I'm going to learn in the scripture. I turn my problems over to the the Lord. There's a wonderful uh, hymn by the German hymnist, Paul Gerhardt, that says, commit whatever grieves you into the hands of him who never leaves you. And, you know, I've been learning to do that all of my life. and. I think that I see signs of revival. Uh, I see, as you do, uh, a lot of young people, a whole whole generation of young people growing up zealous for Christ. And it says, everywhere I go, I'm seeing young people on fire for the Lord. Um, And so uh, I'm just gonna stay in the Bible, uh, stay close to Jesus, abide in him, and make up my mind to be optimistic because that's the life of faith and the world doesn't understand it because they're not opening their Bibles. They don't know it because they are not looking at Jesus. But if you look at Jesus and you open your Bible and you get serious about the cultivation of the inner part of you that the Bible calls the spirit of the soul, then optimism and joy and hope just seem to bubble up like an artesian well inside of us. And that's what the world needs. Then when they see it in you, they'll say, tell me the secret. Yes,
0: amen. Uh, And and hopefully by then it is no secret, Uh, you know, uh, because you have, we're supposed to proclaim the gospel until he returns. I, I, I often think I think I don't know if it's the Francis of Assisi or who it was but uh, to preach the preach the word you know often uh, but but if necessary use words I, I'm, I'm butchering the quote but we are to proclaim him and we are to share him and just as Peter said in first Peter 3:15 as you just mentioned that we are to ge- be prepared to give an answer for the hope that mm-hmm. is in us as we turn our attention to our nations so we're talking about global we're we're oftentimes unsettled by what we see in the news, uh, what we're, w- what we see in, in happening in the education system, in the entertainment industry, yeah. the news media itself. Um, there is this great uh, new um, sort of amnesia that has fallen upon our country, uh, that we have forgotten who we are as a nation. We've forgotten our common understanding of the of the law of our constitution, our common history. Um, I think it's George Barna, who his his research has uh, Mm -hmm. suggested that something like six percent of Americans have what you could call a biblical world view. And Mm -hmm. you wrote a book on just that topic of 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 you know the Word of God in Bible verses, hundred Bible verses that have sort of shaped us as a nation, our founding and founders. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. How has the the Word of God um, helped inform our past as a nation?
1: Yeah, well, it's a very good question. The book is 100 Bible Verses That Made America, and I open with the story of George Washington when he was inaugurated. He not only placed his hand on the Bible, not on the Constitution, which had recently been adopted or ratified, not on the Declaration of Independence, but on the Bible, because he knew that that was the true founding document of our nation. And after he said the oath of office and took his hand off the Bible, he leaned over and kissed it. So there was a real reverence for the scripture. But Ryan, let me tell you that the United States of America came into existence between two tremendous revivals of biblical proportion, the Mayflower and the Puritan migration of 1620 to 1640, 1645 brought tens of thousands of England's wisest, best, uh, most devout, trained scholars and professional men and women. Uh, And so there was this this sense of a Judeo-Christian foundation established in our nation, but the fire of it died down and God sent the first great awakening. And the 13 colonies were brought together emotionally and spiritually and ethically and morally uh, by this great awakening with um, George Whitfield, who was the first celebrity, so to speak, in America. And, uh, and the, the nation was united with a fire for liberty and liberty was preached in the pulpits all up and down the eastern seaboard. And it was uh, that first great awakening that set the stage for the Declaration of Independence. Historians, if they're honest, and most of them would say, there would never have been a Declaration of Independence without the First Great Awakening. Yeah. Now, after the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, Christianity died down again to a point where only 5% of the population was going to church, it was estimated. And atheism filled the colleges, the Ivory League schools were so filled with atheism that the presence of a Christian there could create a riot the way that the presence of a conservative today would on some university campuses. But then the second great awakening came, and throughout, uh, off and on throughout the 1800s, that second great awakening established the Judeo-Christian moral foundation upon which America then became a great nation. And only in my lifetime, has that second great awakening really broken down in terms of the public consciousness of what it did? Um, And uh, so now what I'm saying is we need another great awakening. We need a revival. And I pray every day, I've got a map of the United States in my prayer book, and I say, Lord, send a revival, another great awakening. But whether or not it comes, I'm going to work as hard as I can to live in a state of perpetual personal revival Because if it doesn't begin with us, then at least we can allow it to consume us and live our lives in a state of revival. And who knows, it may just spread to others and we may have another great revival in front of us. I think I can see the signs of it.
0: Yeah, amen. Well, I I love what you said there between the first and the second. The, the, the Great Awakening, that is, historically, that mm-hmm. yes, there was a Great Awakening, and it, yes, it led to the, the American Revolution, and yes, uh, if, if it had not, uh, no, we would not have had an American Revolution. And the most important thing was that there was, in fact, a Great Awakening, not just that there was a revolution, because there's been many revolutions of history. Uh, there's been a Chinese Revolution, uh, you know, a Russian Revolution, a French Revolution, all of those revolutions were godless revolutions, uh, and the American Revolution was very spiritual in nature. Uh, that does not mean that everything that was done then was perfect, not everything that was done then was right. Uh, certainly, there were lots of things that were antithetical to Christian and biblical teaching, uh, including uh, slavery in the, in the early colonies, um, but, but, I, but I love what you said, though. That there was this time also in the 19th century, going into the 1800s. See, everybody assumes that oh, you know, during that Enlightenment period, you know, everybody was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it was all hunky-dory, and we just became secular in 1955 or 1965. But the reality is, we had to go back to the Word of God. Revivals had to happen. The Word of God had to be preached. So. Final question as we wrap, Pastor. Why is the Word of God then, you think about how it shaped our past, you think about, too, um, how necessary it is for our future. Why is the Word of God so important?
1: It is so precious because it is unique. There is no book that has ever been written like the Word of God. It is unique in its authorship because every word was breathed out by God and yet every word was written down by a human being. It's got a dual authorship, just as Jesus is both God and man, the Bible is both totally divine and totally human. That gives it an authority that uh, oversees our lives. If we submit to the authority of Scripture, then we are living as God wants us to live. When we proclaim the message of Scripture, we are proclaiming what God wants the human race to know. So I keep a Bible close beside me all the time. I keep it in my hand when I'm preaching. I don't mind to open it and read it to any group wherever they are, whether they are hostile or friendly. I just want this word to prevail. And the more I proclaim it, uh, the more I read it, the more I meditate on it, uh, the more I memorize it, uh, the stronger I am. And, um, And this is the book upon which A healthy life and a healthy society must be built and there is no other foundation, not one.
0: Mm, Amen. Robert J. Morgan, thank you so much for sitting in the hot seat today. I really appreciate you coming on the Give Me Liberty podcast. And uh, folks, stick around for final thoughts. Hey, thanks for joining the Give Me Liberty podcast. What an awesome time it was with Robert J. Morgan. It's so clear from his heart that this is a man who has devoted himself to the scriptures and he has walked through pain in his life, losing his wife just a couple of years ago. Um, But what an amazing testimony that he has. And I would encourage anyone who's watching to root yourself in biblical truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. We have to understand that the Christian scriptures were given for our instruction. These things were written down so that we might have hope and help in life. And we have to turn to the author and giver of life, and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. So, as we look to the future, fear not, don't tremble, but trust in the Lord. Look to the Word of God understand that when Jesus returns, this is not a dreadful thing, it's a glorious thing. Also understand that as we look around our culture, and we have a country that is questioning what is a woman, doesn't even understand the most basic uh, fundamental aspects of human sexuality, of human anthropology, of, of understanding that we are made in the image of God, that he has made us male and female in his image. It's because we lack the source of biblical truth, the truth of God Himself, and that comes from His Word. So dwell on that this week, and certainly as we wrap, share the gift of the Give Me Liberty podcast. I mean, come on, what are you waiting for? Take this, share a link with friends. Thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe. Until next time, God bless you.